Grab your Bibles while you're still standing. Let's read God's Word. In the New King James Version, I'll be reading in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number 1. Children, you are dismissed to go to Children's Church. You can follow Pastor Taylor and Tiffany to the back. They've got great things stored up for you today. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and become like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse number six. He is not here. He is not here, for he is risen. Just like he said he was going to do. Hallelujah. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples. Jesus' disciples, the word. Hallelujah. I want to preach for a few moments using the subject. He's not there, for he is risen. Hallelujah. He's not there, for he is risen. We don't serve a dead God. He's a risen Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's alive. It's breathing. It speaks to our heart, Father. Lord, anoint my lips of clay that the Holy Spirit would speak with boldness today and proclaim your truth. I ask you, Lord, to open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you would have to say to our hearts. Let the seed of the word go down deep inside of his Father. And let us know on this Resurrection Sunday, Lord, it was all for us. It was all for us, Lord. God, I ask you to anoint this place. Your presence is so beautiful already. Anoint us, Lord, to receive. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. He, he's not there. For he is risen. For he is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So thankful for the word of God. Records the truth. We can understand it. Fantastic words that are written here in Matthew. And I, I want to focus on Matthew 28, verse number 6. 
He is not here, for he is risen. These are the words that changed all of history. It changed all mankind. But Scotty, we didn't need just a dead Savior. We needed a risen Savior. Jesus has risen from the dead. And we as Christians need to be proclaiming that truth. He's a risen Savior. The message of the resurrection is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. A Muslim is required to visit the tomb of Muhammad at least once in their life. The grave of Buddha has no body in it. Or excuse me, has a body in it. And every religious leader and founder has a place where you can find their body in the ground. Except for one. Except for one. And that's the tomb of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. He's no longer in the tomb. He's vacated that location. Religion couldn't handle him. The authorities couldn't stop him. Death couldn't keep him. And the grave couldn't hold him. He is risen. He is risen. He's not in the tomb. The angel proclaimed. He's not here. He is risen, just like he said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Death has no power over the unstoppable risen Savior. Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. The two Marys had come to the tomb to complete the embalming process. But they received a surprise of their lives when they found an empty tomb. That's not what they were looking for. They were looking for Jesus. They were looking in the tomb, looking for Jesus. But when they got there, he wasn't there. Then they're instructed to go tell the others that he's risen. I want you to notice that the first people at the tomb were women. Did you notice that? Women were not thought a whole lot of in them days. They were kind of the lower class. All the women should be saying, if I'd have been there, wouldn't have been that way. That's the way it was in society. But women were the first ones to the tomb to find out that Jesus wasn't there. This is very significant. This honor was given to a part of society that was looked down upon. They were unimportant and a lower class of people. But yet they were still the first to recognize Jesus had risen. I believe God is showing us that everyone is welcome into this kingdom and no one is unimportant. Everybody's important. The message that he is not here for he is risen is for all levels of society, sex and creed, race, no matter where society rates you. The risen Savior is for you. Amen. I want you to notice the Bible says they departed quickly. They had a message to tell and they were ready to do it fast. Wow. If we could only obey. If we could only obey as fast as these women did. Let me tell you why, why they obeyed so fast. They had a supernatural encounter. They did. They knew Jesus on a personal level already. But then the angel of the Lord was there. There's an angel there. How many know if you've seen an angel plop down and set on a rock in front of you, you might be freaked out just a little bit. It's a supernatural experience that maybe not all of us has had. I haven't had it. Next, they had fear and joy. It was a healthy fear, respect. 
I believe you'll find in most passages in the Bible that where someone had an encounter with an angel or something, usually the words like, go like this, fear not, or don't be afraid, because they know us humans. We see something supernatural, and we encounter the supernatural. It strikes fear in our hearts. He says, there's fear and joy when they walked away. Don't you know they must have been laughing? They must have been giggling just a little bit, excited that Jesus wasn't there. It wasn't just Jesus wasn't there. The angel said he's risen, and in Drew's language, the angel said, just like he said he was going to. And then I'm sure their minds started going back. Remember, he did say that. And they got excited. They were going to tell the disciples. And I'm sure they were excited. They were great joy is what it says. Jesus wasn't there. He had risen. How exciting it must have been. Let me tell you this. If you're lacking joy in your life, you need to go back to the empty tomb. You need to understand he did this for you. He's a risen Savior for you. You can have joy because you know that you are serving a risen Savior, a living Savior. Amen? The church is not pews packed with people who lack laughter and lifelessness. That's not what we're called to be. It's not people who gripe and glare or gouge other people because they have become soured, bored, and tired of life. That's not what we are. Christians should be the happiest people around. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. The church is pews packed with praying, praising, and powerful people. Christians should be praying, praising, participating, and powerful people who have joy. Great joy is what these women had. Because of the resurrection, Christians should have joy unspeakable and full of glory. They should have happiness, a merry heart, victory in their life, gladness, an uplifting look, outlook on life, and a purpose for living. All because he's not there. He's not here is what the angel said. But he is risen. For he is risen. There are a lot of people who claim that the resurrection never happened. That's what they wanted people to believe. The resurrection never happened. And there's another way to explain the empty tomb. This is where I want to preach from just a little bit today. There's only three explanations for this reality that there's an empty tomb. Number one, his friends or the disciples took Jesus out of the tomb. Number two would be his enemies took his body out of the tomb. And number three would be that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. There's three possibilities here, and I want to look at them for just a minute. I want, I want to look at all of them. The first one, Jesus' friends or disciples took his body and hid it somewhere. Just so they could say he rose from the dead. Can I tell you right now, right off the bat, the disciples, they didn't understand the resurrection. What we read in the word of God, you have to understand, they didn't understand the resurrection. Well, pastor, they've been told about it. Why didn't they understand it? Let me take you to Luke chapter 9, verse number 22. Saying, the son of man must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes. And be killed and be raised the third day. That's what Jesus is saying here. We jump down to verse 43 in the same chapter. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink down into your ears. 
For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Verse number 45. But they did not understand this saying. And it was hidden from them, so they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. They didn't understand. They did not understand. So this is not a good, good solution that the disciples are going to come and steal body, uh, the body of Jesus just to show that he's risen. They don't want to be wrong. It was the darkest Sunday morning ever for them. It was. The disciples were exhausted and, fr- and afraid. They were worried that the same ones that killed Jesus would be coming after them. They weren't thinking about a resurrection. Can I tell you, they were feeling sorry for themselves. They were afraid. They were frightened. They'd seen blind eyes healed. They'd seen paralysis reversed. Food appeared from nowhere. Jesus walked on water in front. They seen things. And then Jesus speaks to the elements and they said, Who is this man that can speak to the weather here? And it mind him. This is crazy stuff. He must be the Son of God. But when they walked away from the tomb, they were discouraged, distraught, disillusioned. Their hope just died on a cross. The disciples were frightened. In fact, so frightened, they locked themselves in a room and huddled around together. Their dreams had been dashed. Jesus was dead. He was buried in a tomb and buried with him were the hopes of the 11 men who believed they might rule in the coming days with him. And besides all that, there was guards at the tomb. How could these disciples get past the Roman guards? They would have been killed. There's no way they could have did it. You know why? They didn't do it. How about the enemies of Jesus? The first question you'd ask is, why would they steal the body of Jesus? If they had taken his body, it would have just fanned the flames of his message, and the very thing they were trying to stop would appear to have happened. What he said he was going to raise in three days would appear that it happened. So why would they steal the body? And again, what about the guards? The guards are there. No one could come and steal that body without the guards seeing it. If Jesus' enemies had taken his body, why didn't they produce it when the disciples started to preach Christ is risen from the dead? When they, when they started preaching, well, they should have brought, well, nope, here's his body. The church would have been laughed out of town. So I think we can cross that one off the list. His enemies didn't steal his body. That leaves us with one explanation. That just... As the Bible informs us, Jesus was placed in a tomb, dead. His body was dead. But on the third day, he came out of the tomb. The conqueror of death, hell, and the grave, Jesus, come out of the tomb. There's only one explanation for the empty tomb, and that he is not here. He is risen. Wow. We have accounts from four different sources that Christ rose from the tomb. He appeared on ten different occasions to groups as large as 500 and as small as one. Paul saw him. 
and based his entire ministry off of that experience. Wow. The church changed its day of worship to Sunday from Saturday because of the resurrection. And these people were strongly tied to their traditions. To get them to change days that they're going to worship? Wow. Something had to happen. Jesus had to have raised from the dead. Look at the transformation in the disciples. Their confidence of a risen Savior, a risen Jesus, changed them from cowards to proclaiming the fact that Jesus is risen. Wow. Can I tell you, when you start to realize that he's a risen Savior, he's resurrected from the dead, it'll change your life too. It will change your life too. The early church preached a great deal about the resurrection. Some might say they were obsessed, obsessed with it. And you might think, well, why, why were they so obsessed with it? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are all found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Boy, without the resurrection, you're still in your sins. Verse number 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiful, most miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was the first one. But there's going to be more to come. Hallelujah. More fruit to come from that. If Christ didn't rise, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ didn't rise, then our faith is in vain. If Christ didn't rise, then we have no hope for salvation. If Christ didn't rise, we have no hope for our resurrection. If Christ didn't rise, then we're still in our sins. And guess what? Then we're doomed. What would it be? What would it be like without the resurrection? Without the resurrection, there would be no outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But with the resurrection, the early church was endued with power from on high, and so are we today. Hallelujah. Without the resurrection, Peter and John would have walked by the crippled man at the gate beautiful, and he would have remained sick and in his condition. But with the resurrection, Peter reached down and lifted this man, and he was healed. And he was healed. Without the resurrection, there would have been no preaching by the apostles. But with the resurrection, they turned the world upside down with the good news of the gospel. Without the resurrection, there would have been no Damascus Road experience for Paul. But with the resurrection, he became a powerful tool in the hand of God. Without the resurrection, that Ethiopian eunuch would have never heard the gospel. But with the resurrection, he received life everlasting. Hallelujah. Without the resurrection, there would have been no church today. No church to walk down to an altar and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
but with the resurrection. We're gathered here today, washed by the blood, saved to the uttermost, uttermost, filled with the Holy Ghost, and thrilled to be serving, thrilled to be serving and anxiously awaiting Christ's return to this earth. He's not here, for he is risen. Hallelujah. With everyone standing, no one looking around. I know it's not very long today, and you can say, thank you, Pastor. You give me the word. It was good. And I'm going to beat the Baptist to the buffet line. Hallelujah. The question today is, what will you do with the risen Savior? The Bible's historical proof I was reading this week. Everyone look up here. I was reading this week. You know, I'm, I'm changing directions. You just have to follow me. I was reading this week, and there's discovering more proof of the Bible. And it just struck me. The more they try to disprove the Bible, the more they prove it true. What I was reading in 2019, before the pandemic hit, a Christian archaeologist asked if he could go through some of the, the already sifted, uh, um, what do they call that, the, 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 the tailings or whatever, whatever they've already went through. Basically, it's just the, the trash pile. He said, can I go through with this again because I have a new technology I want to use. It's called water. They sifted all this stuff dry. They got all this, this dirt and this clay, this rocks and all these things, and they sifted it dry, and, and they picked out what they could find, and, and that, that, that was good. He asked, can I sift it with water? And when they did, they started finding Scripture texts again on these rocks. It wasn't a, it wasn't a fun verse that they found, but it was talking about curses, and God cursed Israel. God cursed it. It was talking about how six of the tribes were cursed. And they found this. But it sat there from, 19, or from 2019 until just recently because they wasn't able to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to do more research, and they found out and confirmed it. Why? Because a lot of people were trying to say the Bible, it doesn't mean anything. It's not the truth. The Israelites were Ill Ill illiterate. That's what they want to keep saying. My Bible keeps telling me, even in Job, which they think was the first book that was ever written, he tells Job to read. Well, Job must have been smart enough to read. Over and over through this word, it says, write down. Don't tell me they were stupid and unlearned. They wrote this Bible. God inspired. And it gives us the proof of a risen Savior. Hallelujah. See, if the devil can debunk the Bible, then he can debunk everything in it. And Christ was just a good man. Most people believe that. He was a good man. He was here. Sure, he was part of history, but he wasn't the Savior. He wasn't the Son of God. He was the Son of God. <laughs> he died on what we call Good Friday. It was a miserable day for Christians that day. Their friend, the one they walked with, died. He took the pain, the debt of our sins that we owed was put on Jesus' shoulders. We needed a perfect sacrifice. Yes. 
we need a pure blood. He sacrificed three nails, held him to a cross. Years ago, I wrote a song that says, I am the cross. Because he could have come off the cross anytime he wanted to. He could have saved himself. He could have had a band of angels come and take him. But he stayed there for me. He stayed there for you. We are the cross that held him there. There was nothing that could hold him. It was only us. But it wasn't good enough that he died for our sins. Have you ever noticed that on Friday you hear so much about Jesus? You hear God. God, I mean, there's earthquakes. There's all sorts of things going on. God, Jesus, they're both speaking over and over on that Friday. But Saturday you don't hear anything. There's a lot of things that happen in our life. A lot of what we feel is bad things happen on a Friday, so to speak. And then we're waiting to hear something when we don't hear anything. And it's a silent Saturday. Can I tell you that Sunday's coming? Resurrection is coming. You can't have resurrection unless something dies first. You can have resurrection in your heart today and in your soul today. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're in need of salvation, if you're in need of a financial miracle, if you're in need of deliverance, if you're in need of a a marriage being healed, if you're in need of anything, a job, God can resurrect that for you. But you had to give it to Him. You had to die out to yourself. You had to say, God, this is yours. On this Resurrection Sunday, now you can bow your heads. I preached about a risen Savior. There's no question He's a risen Savior. But what are you going to do with a risen Savior? Can you testify in your heart right now to others? He saved my soul. He's forgiven me of my sins. I believe in Him. I'm walking with Him. I'm talking with Him. I'm being the example of the believer. That's what it's required. For us to be an example. If you're here today, maybe you've once known the Lord, you've walked with Christ, but you know your heart is not where it needs to be. Your spirit is not right. You need Jesus to come in and renovate your life. I want you to know he's a risen Savior today and he loves you. And he wants you to be close to him. He wants you to have eternal life with him. Decisions are going to be made this morning. Decisions is going to be made this morning. That's going to affect the rest of your life. I want you to choose Jesus. I want you to ask Jesus to renovate your life. I want you to ask Jesus, even the saints, Jesus, do in me what you want to do in me. 
Let your will play out in my life. Let me not take control, but Christ, you take control of everything I do. As Shelly sings, I'm going to ask everyone, find you a place to pray. Get alone with God and talk to me. If you're in need of salvation, if you'll come right up here to the front, I will pray with you. I will show you through the scriptures our need for a Savior. But today, he's not in the tomb anymore. He's a risen Savior. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this Sunday, the day that we celebrate the risen Savior, the resurrection. I thank you for it. I ask you, Lord, right now that you resurrect the things in our life today. God, that needs to be resurrected. I ask you, Lord, right now as we give everything to you, that you take over.